Hello, hello, hello. Welcome everyone back to no back to how can you come back to an episode that hasn't even started yet? <laughs> God. <laughs> Jesus. Keeping it in. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number six of Two On Two Out, the Phillies podcast, brought to you by Andrew and Bob. Bob, this week, I think the best way to start this off is to ask you, is there any team in baseball, other than the Phillies, that can make a four-game sweep so stressful? Wow, Andrew. First of all, welcome back. Second of all, uh, flawless. That was the first time you recorded that. And not the uh, ace. <laughs> definitely not the eighth time. Uh, definitely not after a 10 minute last break um, at all. Uh, so we'll come back. And I would say probably the Marlins would be my guess. They're Good. pretty miserable to watch. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I'd call it miserable, but man, I, every single game, we'll get into it more, uh, more detailed in a bit. But yes, the Phillies did manage to pull off a four game sweep of the Milwaukee Brewers, and not a single one of those games was easy. Uh, it was fun, but my God, do they know how to make it interesting. Um, but let's back up one series and uh, look at when the Mets came to town. Uh, last Rivalry's weekend. back, baby. The rivalry is back. It, yeah, it 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 felt intense. Um, I mean, just watching on TV and then um, you know getting to be there Sunday night, it, you can definitely feel... You could feel it in the air. It's you know both teams are. I don't know if I could use the word good yet, but both teams have a shot at winning this division. So yes, there's um, there's animosity. It's uh, yeah, you're uh, seeing a lot of emotion from these guys, and uh, it transfers over to the crowd, which I'm sure it won't be long before we see uh, see some fights in the stands and people getting ejected. I I feel like that's what I remember a lot back in like oh seven oh eight during that time when uh. You know, both teams were going at it, but it's nice. It's nice to um, it's nice to have um that competitiveness. It's nice to um feel like there's a reason to be at the ballpark. Um, so hopefully that uh, continues throughout the season. Uh, this series, the Mets ended up getting the best of the Phillies, but it's not for a lack of trying. We'll start with uh, Friday's game, uh, which I think at the end of last week's podcast we talked about the only runs the Phillies would score that inning or that game, uh, Chase Anderson is batting with the bases loaded, strikes out, as you probably would expect, but it gets dropped uh, by James McCann. I almost called him Brian McCann, throwing it back a couple years. James McCann drops the third strike, goes behind him, and he kind of lazily runs for it, and the Phillies end up scoring two there, um, and that would be all they would score. Chase Anderson does go five innings, allows just one earned run, six strikeouts, two walks, and then out of the bullpen, Jojo Romero, Brandon Kinsler, Jose Alvarado, uh, and Sam Coonrod all combined for four innings pitched and zero runs allowed. Um, so, yeah, not not a lot of offense here, but uh, a little bit of controversy. Jose Alvarado, uh, I believe he had 2-1 when he was facing Dominic Smith in the bottom or top of the eighth inning. Uh, Alvarado, I believe, started the count 3-0 and and then ended up striking – uh, Dom Smith out to end the end the frame and a little animated on the mound there. Alvarado was, um, you know, he kind of did the turnaround and you know, fist bump and you know, yelling whatever he was yelling. 
And then as he's walking towards the dugout, he you could see him yelling something to Dominic Smith on the way in, and uh, Smith wasn't a fan of it. You know, they got pretty close to each other, and then the bench is clear. Bullpens come running in. We you know we get a little bit of controversy there. Uh, I, I guess my question is, what's you know how did that feel seeing it? I I feel like we haven't seen a really good benches clearing instant like that in quite a while. What uh what was your take when that happened, Bob? I was really excited. Uh, I like a little feistiness in the game, um, especially against the Mets. The, just the Mets are just always been a you know a thorn in the side of Phillies, and uh, obviously this started because of uh, Alvarado who hit uh, Conforto a couple weeks back in New York, uh, and Dom Smith took exception to that, and then so obviously here. He strikes him out and was fired up, but I think Dom. I think Dom was, uh, you know, a little bit babyish. Um, but uh, it was it was fun to see. I I like I like seeing people fired up, like when the old bullpens run out. Well, and it's 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 funny to see how quickly Alvarado has become uh, just loved by the fans. I guess just that. Intensity he brings, you know, he's he can fire it up there at 100 plus miles an hour. Not always the most accurate with his pitches, but no. Uh, damn if he isn't fun to watch out there. Um, he he would end up. I think they originally gave him a three game suspension for this. He appealed and ended up being two games, mm-hmm. which I mean, two games for labor is really nothing because yeah. you know, they typically go two days between appearances anyway. So. Um, you know, he, he, uh, served that no other incidents the rest of the weekend. Um, but it's only, you know, we're only now the fifth weekend of the season. So, uh, there'll be plenty of time for, for things to possibly bubble up again. Uh, Saturday's game, Phillies would lose that one five to four. Uh, Zach Wheeler got started off, uh, really rough in that first inning allows four earned runs to the Mets, um, his former club. But then he it's settled down. Defense, on... though. Yeah, yeah, true. You want to uh, spotlight anybody in particular there, or? Uh... I mean, I thought that that one uh, hits to center field. I thought that should have been caught by uh, Odubel. It mm-hmm. seems like he's lost a step out there. That's usually a play that he would make. Usually, would make that kind of like reaching out and and sort of get that last second catch. Um, I think he should have caught that. Also, uh, there's also the McCutcheon. I think McCutcheon was the same inning, right? Wasn't that the one where he like dropped it? Yeah, in left field. Blue was the same inning, right? Yeah, because the game started like an hour early that night. I think it was a six o'clock start, and they talked about how the this you know they're not used to where the sun is at that point. And I mean, I don't think it's an excuse, but yeah, it, it just where the sun was, it kind of lined up with the ball, and it you know, it was in and out of the light. Um, Again, you know, not not something that he was using as an excuse, but just you know that was a factor. And yeah, and and defense's whole homestand was uh, suspect, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we'll have I'm sure we'll have other spots where we can point it out. But um, yeah, I don't think I think you know, Wheeler was uh, he was good, not great that the, that night. Um, but you know, take those two plays of usually shorthanded fielders. Uh, and uh, I think the Phillies walk away with a win. Um, well, and, and Wheeler did 
uh, end up bouncing back. You know, his his final line, seven innings pitched, uh, six strikeouts, one walk, and the only runs he allowed were those first four in the or the four in the first inning. So, I mean, from innings two to seven, he looked fantastic. You know, it's mm-hmm. just that first inning kind of buried him. Uh, the Phillies would get it tied up. They scored two runs in the second, uh, and then Alec Bohm hit a two run home run in the sixth inning. Uh, so it tied the score over four. Stayed that way until the ninth. Uh, Hector Neris comes in looking to keep the score tied uh, and get the Phillies a chance to walk it off in the ninth. However, Michael Conforto, who, you know, uh, you, know you, you remember these specific guys from teams. You got Michael Conforto on the Mets. Ryan Braun, when he came here with the Brewers. Um, no, there's another name I'm thinking of. But the uh, Buster Posey, you know, was just here with the Giants. These guys coming to Philadelphia and just something about Citizens Bank Park, they absolutely – Crush the ball here, uh, and you know Michael Conforto right in line with his career. Solo home run out to right, you know puts the Mets up five four, and uh, then Edwin Diaz comes in from the for the Mets as their closer and just completely dominant in that ninth inning, shut the Phillies down one two three. Uh, so that puts the series at one to one, which would lead to a Sunday night game on ESPN, and this one <laughs> this one got wild. There's plenty to talk, to talk about. Um, in this one, the final score is uh, eight to seven Mets, uh, but that box score or you know that final score does not tell you the whole story. Uh, Bryce Harper and JT Realmuto both returned to the lineup uh, in this one. Uh, Harper had been out since the game against the Cardinals, where he got hit in the face and then the wrist, and Romuto had been out since the game after, where that you know wild pitch walk off. Uh, he had busted up his wrist a little bit as well, so they're both uh, back in the starting lineup for that one. Uh, Zach Eflin gets the start for uh, the Phillies. Ends up going six innings, ten hits. You know, sounds like a lot. He but he scattered them well. Um, seven strikeouts, no walks, uh, two earned runs to his line. Uh, interesting note in the I think it was the second inning. It was pretty early on. Uh, Roman Quinn. You know, we 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 give Roman Quinn a lot of flack for his um, plays at the plate and for his batting at the plate, which is deserved, but. He's got a heck of an arm out there in, in center, and um, you know it's not the first time he's done this. But he he throws Dominic Smith out of the plate, you know, saves an early run for the Phillies. Uh, would end up not particularly <laughs> affecting the end of the game, but um, you know it's worth noting he was you know able to make a play like that. We can uh, well we could jump right ahead to the eighth inning here. You know it was it was a tight ball game. It might have been tied two to two. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the score was, but in the eighth. Uh, Brandon Kinsler comes in, gives up a home run to Kevin Pillar, who just um, not the greatest of hitters and, you know, just allows that solo home run off the bat and kind of deflated the team. And, and then from there, he, he'd allow another two hits. Then Jose Alvarado comes in, uh, allows a hit himself and then two walks. So, again, you know, just talked a little bit ago about you know how much fun it is to watch him pitch, but he can be erratic and ends up allowing three base runners, or, you know, run scores in there somewhere. Then they bring in David Hale. You know, he he comes in. And it's a tough situation. You know, I, I I will give him that. You know, it's hard to come into a game one out bases loaded, and you know you're expected to shut things down. But um, at the same time, he is he is just uh, well. He he allows a first pitch double to Pete Alonso that clears the bases and ends up giving the Mets six runs in that inning. And yeah, it's just um, it the bullpen itself was not on its game in that inning, but. David Hale, I don't know why he's still on this team. I know Girardi has talked about before that he's a, um, you know, a, an advocate for Hale since the, his days on the Yankees. But 
that's a guy I'd like to see off this team. Uh, and one quick thing before, because I want to let you talk, but one one more quick thing to note in that inning. Uh, there was a ground ball to Reese uh, over at first and, you know, misplayed it, which is going to happen. It's, you know, you would like to see him make the play, but ends up going past him. Uh, Jonathan Villar was on first. You know, he skirts over to third on the missed, um, you know, ground ball. But then Hoskins, you know, kind of moping around out there and and not excited about his own play. He kind of lazily tosses it over to Maton. Uh, VR sees this and he takes off for home plate and just, you know, with the ball kind of in the air and um, nobody particularly paying attention, Villar scores and um, you know, it just kind of adds insult to injury there. So just, you know, that top half of that eighth inning was was not great all around. And um, I'm curious to know, uh, I was at the ballpark that night, and of course it was frustrating what, you know, what did you hear watching the game and, you know, hearing the um, ESPN broadcasters talk about it? Uh, well, I didn't hear the ESPN broadcasters because I can't stand them. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to the radio broadcasts uh, ah, okay. and I had the game on mute. Um, that's a discussion probably for another time, but I, just, uh, I miss John Miller and Joe Morgan. They were, mm-hmm. they were the great ESPN mm-hmm. great, uh, duo. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, well, first of all, David Hale, I don't want to he- see him at any sort of high leverage situation uh, again <laughs> for a, a long time or ever. Uh, he, you know, a couple weeks ago, he gave up the Grand Slam to Story. That was a high leverage spot. He gave up uh, the walk off on the wild pitch. And now he has the bases clearing double. Um, so I, I don't want to see him out there for these kind of situations. Uh, I don't know why Brogdon wasn't used. Uh, he only had like he only threw like nine pitches the day before. Uh, Naris only threw like eleven or twelve pitches the day before. Like I don't I don't get why they weren't available to be used. Um, I'm just you know I I'm I don't want to see David Hale used in those situations um, because I just don't trust him. Yeah, and there's like you just said there's there's other options and. Yeah, uh, he just has not performed. Even last year, you know, he had a couple, a couple of bright spots, but just overall, yeah, he's just not getting it done. And um, you know, I don't know. But if again, Michael... also, it it goes to the defense. I mean, uh, yes. you know, we lost. Uh, you know, two of these three games we lost because of the defense. Um, if it wasn't for two bad plays on Saturday in the first inning, we probably could have won that game. If it wasn't for a just and a play where Reese was not thinking he didn't get the ball back in time. Um, it was a very nice heads up play by the Mets there to, to, to send him. Um, but you know, it's just, you gotta, you gotta just think a little bit when you're out there. Yep. Uh, and, and worth learning how the, how the ninth inning played out. So Edwin Diaz comes out again for you know, the second straight game. And, you know, I mentioned before how dominant he was in that game. Um, he was equally as not dominant in this game. Uh, immediately gives up a walk to uh, Gregorius. Does strike out Nick Maton. But then Roman Quinn comes through with a, with a triple out to the um, you know right center field gap. Scores uh, DD. So the Phillies are then, uh, what, they're within th- four at that point? Um, three, actually, at that point. Yes. Um, so it puts Quinn to third. Duba Herrera would come up and strike out. So now you got two outs in the inning. Credit to Matt Joyce, who comes in as a pinch hitter um, and uh, ends up working a walk. You know, that's a that's a tough situation. Bottom of the ninth, you know, you got a runner at third like that, two outs against a, 
uh, you know, a, a pretty good closer. You know, he's had a Dias has had a pretty pretty nice bounce back since his first season with the Mets. Uh, but Joyce works the walk. Uh, so then you got two runners on, and Hoskins comes out. Uh, you know, with the team down three and has a chance to save things here. And my goodness, he he was quite literally an inch away from from salvation. Um, he drives the ball out to right field that hits directly off the top of the railing out there, uh, bounces back onto the field. The umpires signal it as, signal it as a home run, but uh, after review, it ends up being a double. And I understand the frustration of it. And, you know, there's there's a video there of Hoskins um, with some not not so nice words for the umpires. But uh, it, it is actually a double. You know, this that's the Citizens Bank Park ground rules. You know, if it if it had bounced off and went into the stand, it would have been a home run. However, it is a double. Still, it puts uh, Hoskins at second and brings up Bryce Harper with a chance to, you know, tie it or walk things off. Uh, but unfortunately, Bryce strikes out there. And, and I do wonder... How much of that was was due possibly to his wrists? Because then, since that game, yeah, that was his return game, but we haven't seen Bryce since. Wrist, uh, you know, possibly aggravated in that one. Um, so it was nice to see the team put together a somewhat of a rally there in the bottom of the ninth, scoring three off of um, a really good closer. Kind of, you know, obviously you would rather see them get the win, but um, you know, nice to see that they. You know, didn't throw in the towel and, and still, you know, hung around there. But in the end, Mets take two out of three. And, um, you know, this, this series is going to be it's going to be close all year. I think the Mets have um, a win or two more than the Phillies do in that in that matchup. But uh, we're going to see them plenty more uh, as the season goes on. Uh, so after that series, the Phillies welcome the Milwaukee Brewers into Citizens Bank Park. And, you know, we talked last week when we were talking about this series, you know, the Brewers were playing pretty well. As, as a matter of fact, as of Monday heading into that first game, they were tied with the San Francisco Giants for the best record in the National League. So, you know, this looked like it was going to be a tough matchup for the Phillies. When you and I discussed this last week, I think um, we had both said, you know, splitting, taking two out of four would be Great, you know, winning three would be ideal. <clears throat> but as we mentioned at the top, they end up uh, sweeping the Brewers here. So um, this first game, Phillies end up on top four to three. Vince Velasquez gets the start. Uh, goes six innings with six strikeouts, two walks, Never one down. run. Yeah, Never yeah. I, it's it, literally this is the story of Vince Velasquez. He will do this. You know, his his start before this one wasn't too bad either. And you know it. You know he's due to he's due to play against the Braves and he's had two straight pretty decent starts so I'm a little bit afraid of what's coming next but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, JT Romuto hits a home run. Uh, Roman Quinn hits a triple in this one. Um, Connor Brogdon comes in in the eighth inning um, to to face the Brewers lineup. Uh, Phillies I think at that point were up four nothing or four to one, uh, and Brogdon gives up two walks, uh, a single, and then a sacrifice fly. So Neris comes in to try to settle the dust a little bit. He gets a ground out and then is able to pick a runner off at first base. I think it was a uh, vocal back uh, and um, escape that eighth inning without uh, sacrificing the lead. You know, the Phillies led at that point four to three. Uh, Neris would go on to get the five out save. However, again, we talked about the series. Uh, every one of these games were down to the wire. Brewers ended up loading the bases in the ninth, but could not score. 
a single run to, to, to tie it up or to take the lead. Um, so, yeah, Neris five out save. Um, you know, Brogdon has been a little bit shaky overall lately. You know, he mm-hmm. had such a great start to this season. Are you concerned at all about him? Do you see him? Do you think he may need some time on the minor league team? Or is this kind of something at this point he needs to work it out here in the majors? I would prefer to see him work it out up here. Um, it, besides that that first blow-up he had, um, and, and, well, Monday night was not um, particularly great. When he, when he got through a third of an inning, um, he hasn't really um, super imploded. Um, he's had he's given up some runs since that uh, scoreless inning streak, obviously, but uh, I like to see him work it out up here. Uh, if he has like a few more outings where he like uh, really implodes and was giving up like multiple runs again, um, then maybe you know, you know, I, I'd like to see him in the minors. But um, as of right now, I, I think he should be able to work his way out of the, out of this funk. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think he's um, he's put in the time and he's he's earned the right to stay here. And yeah, I also want to say that uh, Dan Vogelback is my spirit animal. Gets what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is a he is a large gentleman. And you know what's yeah. also interesting? Um, I don't know if you noticed, he stands about nine feet off of home plate when he's up with it, up at, uh, you know, up batting. I, I don't know yeah. how he hits anything on the outside part of the plate because he. I don't think you could be further away from the plate and still be in the batter's box. It's well, it's he's, he's batting 172. So that's, yeah, <laughs> that's well, there you go. <laughs> um. So to jump ahead to Tuesday's game, once again, Phillies win, this time 6-5. to um, Notice a trend here. Phillies, uh, quite a quite a lot of one-run games here. Uh, this one gets started by Aaron Nola. A 30-pitch first inning. Uh, 30 pitches, you typically think, oh boy, that's, you know, you're probably giving up quite a bit of, uh, or quite a number of runs. Uh, just the one run allowed. He strains the bases loaded in the first. Goes on, very similar to Zach Wheeler, you know, a rough first inning. Turns into a, a Pretty decent outing. He he ends up with six innings pitched, five hits, ten strikeouts, two walks, and just the one earned run. I believe he left the bases loaded in the sixth as well. So he had plenty of trouble, but he also worked himself out of it. And and I think that's what you expect out of an ace. You, know, you can't expect perfection every time, but you do like to see them work themselves out of these jams. And Nola certainly did it that night. Um, mm-hmm. After Nola comes out of the game, uh, Anil De Los Santos uh, is is back with the major league roster. Uh, however, his name wasn't added to the lineup card. And so when he comes out of the bullpen to, to take the mound, Craig council comes out to the umpire and says, excuse me, uh, Mr. De Los Santos is not on the lineup card and the Phillies can't use him. Um, so then we get David Hale comes in, uh, allows a single, a hit by pitch and a single. So right in line with what we said before, David Hale, just, yeah, something, something's not right. And I don't, you know, we give a little leeway to Connor Brogdon because he is younger and he has shown what he can do. I think David Hale is a different case because he just, you know, he's had what a year. He's been on this team all year, obviously this year, and they brought him in late, late in the season last year. And just mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything that that makes me think, you know, he he deserves a shot to to stick around. So um, after Hale comes out after facing three. Jojo Romero um, comes in. He does get two ground outs, but then he allows a two-run home run to Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, 
so not you know a, a solid outing you know it, it's again tough to tough to come in and get these inherited runners but um you know he he leaves the Phillies are still in the lead and after that Sam Kubrat comes in and get, also gets a five out save so back to back five out save nights um again this time by by Coonrod also worth noting um Andrew McCutcheon had a couple of home runs in this one he, he hit one in the leadoff spot uh, in the first inning and then another one in the third and and he certainly looks like he's um getting things right for himself, you know, getting on base a little bit more and, um, you know, doing things better at the plate. So um, I, I think also worth mentioning Brad Miller. I believe he started every one of these games for the Phillies and right with, um, with Harper, not on the injured list, but, but not playing in any, any of these games. And Miller hits the three run home run himself, um, you know, after JT got on with an error. So Phillies capitalizing on some mistakes by the Brewers. Uh, again, they take this one six to five. Um, I think two things that I that I you know want to talk about in this game. Uh, mm-hmm. First off, is Andrew McCutcheon. You know, I just mentioned how his um, you know his offense seems to be coming around. Are you comfortable with leaving him in the in the leadoff spot, or is there someone else on this team that you think maybe should take over? And if that is the case, where where do you put McCutcheon if you're not going to have him as leadoff? Um, I would like to see. Um, I know he's not with the team right now. Uh, but once he gets back, I'd like to see Segura probably be up there. Um, or maybe a guy even like Didi um, up there. Uh, and I'd like to see um, Kutch back down in like the 7-8 hole. Um, just to see if he can work his way out of like the funky. Like the last few games has been... Um, Sort of hopeful. He's he's gotten his legs sort of back under him, and he's you know driving the ball. Obviously, he had that two home run game uh, this week, but uh, yeah, I like to see more consistency out of him for him to be able to stick at the top of the lineup. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Um, I yeah, I I like what I've seen the last few games. I, I'm okay with him there for now. Um, Segura is. Looking like he's going to be back, uh, starting with tomorrow night's game at the Braves. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe there will be a shakeup in the lineup, or you know, maybe Girardi gives Segura a couple of games to to see some major league pitches and, and reassess. The other thing I want to take out of this game is, um, you know, Coonrod looked great uh, out of the bullpen, getting that five out save again, much like Naris. You know, he allowed a couple base runners in the ninth, but is able to stick it out and, and gets the five out save. Um, really impressed with Coonrod this year. I um. I wasn't sure what to expect from him. Um, you know, knew he had a big arm, but um, you know, I, I don't think anybody knew too much more than that. But he's looked really solid, and I, I like him in that in a in a you know late inning um, you know high leverage situation role. I, I really think he's he's shined there. Do you, I don't know if we want to talk taking the closer spot, but um, you know, do you think he's would you pick him as the the reliable guy to you know to come up and clean up a um, you know a tight eighth inning? Is is he your go to guy? Um, you know, especially with Bradley Archie Bradley being out, and you know when he comes back, there's probably going to be a few weeks where we got to let him resettle back in. So, is do you think Coonrod is the go to guy before um, before Naris? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, he's just been solid, just very consistently. Solid this year, um, you know, one, two, three ERA. Uh, just he's just been 
And he seems deep. very composed. He seems yeah, very they, composed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they did a post uh, game interview with him after the save and you know, he seemed um I, I really liked his uh, his attitude. He just seemed very um um happy and composed. Yeah, he just seemed like he was um I, I really liked it. I am um becoming a fan of his and yeah, I think uh you know, it's nice to have a guy that you can basically rely on to be your your setup guy and yeah, I mean, I mean, like it's it's just uh, it's so funny night and day difference. Uh, he was compared to two a year ago, so he's pitched the same amount uh, amount of innings as he did all of last oh, wow. um, season. Um, so far, in fourteen and two thirds innings this year, he's given up uh, nine hits uh, and two runs. Uh, in fourteen and two thirds of all of last season, seventeen hits. 16 earned runs. Mm. Wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, he uh, is just been um, way better different, way, way better different. <laughs> He's just been uh, a much improved uh, pitcher this year. Um, and I believe the only earned runs he's given up have both been solo home runs, mm. um, which uh, is just crazy. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I don't have any stats on like inherited runners, so I'm not sure how he's been doing with inherited runners. Uh, just by my memory, I, I think he's been fairly good. Um, but yeah, he's been the probably the most consistent uh, pitcher that the Phils have had this year. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point because even, you know, the guys that like Connor Brogdon, who we've talked about, has looked good, but also has had shaky innings. Brandon Kinsler, I think overall has been good, but also has had some shaky innings. Um, so yeah, Coonrod, I yeah, I would agree. I think he's been the most consistent and probably the most reliable. If if you're not going to make him the closer, then yeah, I think he's your he's your setup guy. Uh, so moving on to Wednesday's game, uh, once again another one run game, another Phillies win. Phillies win that one five to four. Yeah, I think I heard on the broadcast that this was a record or a tied record for most. Tied. One one record, yeah, one one games in Phillies, yeah. So they got thirty yeah. year or forty year record. Yeah, I think uh, nineteen eighty. It was sometime in June. They had seven straight uh, one run games. They went two and five in that stretch. Uh, let's see, the Phillies here three four. So it was so four and three in this stretch. Um, but yeah, Philly, so Phillies win another close one five to four. Chase Anderson got his uh, second start of the homestand. Again, uh, four and third innings pitched, two strikeouts, four walks, three earned runs. So, not getting that consistency out of the four and five spots. You know, struggling to get you know into the fifth and sixth innings, which is something we're going to address here in a little bit. Um, he does allow a home run to uh, Tyrone Taylor in the fifth. It was a pinch hit appearance, and um, I think that's when um, uh, he got taken out of the game. Jojo Romero comes in, uh, not the cleanest of innings, but I don't believe he gave up any runs. Uh, after that game, Jojo would get placed on the injured list. He, uh, You could see his velocity was down, um, ended up being an elbow injury. I'm not sure yet how long he'll be out, but you know, perhaps um, you know, whatever work he's going to have done in that time will uh, will help him out a bit. Yeah, and um, not, not, uh, not surprising, not completely surprising that he's – uh, gone down to injury. His velocity hasn't been the same all season compared to it was where it was last year, mm. um, which is sort of why he struggled so much. Um, I just hope um, 
I think we all hope that it's just not uh, anything that really stru- structural that would take um, weeks or months to, to yeah. heal. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, to finish out the uh, pitching lines for the Phillies in this one, Kinsler, Matt Moore, uh, Daniel Daniel Santos, and Jose Alvarado all combined for four to third innings pitched and no more runs allowed. Yeah, it was nice to see Matt Moore come back. Um, I believe he gave up a – is that the game? No, I'm confusing the game. But he, he allowed a leadoff hitter, uh, didn't score. And then De Los Santos ends up correctly being put on the lineup card and you know, has a scoreless appearance as well. So, yeah, that could be what we see at him at more. Maybe he's he, he um, you know, will be learn to be more comfortable in that bullpen role. We'll see. Um, you know, it's something that they tried with Velasquez that I, I – I don't know if it's official that it hasn't worked out. I don't know what, you know, when to call that situation, but, um, you know, hopefully that's, that's something that Matt Moore can get comfortable with. Um, the only offense for the Phillies in this one came in the first inning. We have a leadoff uh, double by Andrew McCutcheon, walk by Brad Miller, uh, Reese with an RBI single, and then JT walks. So we've got the bases loaded for uh, Sir Didi. And uh, Mr. Gregorius hits a grand slam out to right field. And um, that was his eighth grand slam of his career. Uh, he is a monster with uh, the bases loaded. He uh, mm-hmm. he steps up big time. And, man, he is – I am so glad he came back to this team and we've got him for a couple of years because he is just – he's a ton of fun to watch. He's couldn't be a nicer guy. It's um, – um, I think I mentioned this before. It's um, – Bronx, my dog, uh, Didi is his favorite player. So it was a, a big deal in this house. Oh. When, it was a big deal in this house when yeah. uh, when Didi hit his grand slam. Um, yeah, fun first first inning. Go ahead. Barking up a storm. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, confused as to why we kept telling him to be happy. But he was happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess a concern in this one is uh, Phillies didn't have another hit after the first inning. Uh, I mean, they scored all the ones they needed, but the offense absolutely shut down after that. So. Um, We've pointed out all season that this this offense is inconsistent and lacking. Now, mm-hmm. you know, again, this is something we'll get into in a little bit here. But I mean, all around baseball offense is down. But yeah, in particular here, the Phillies, it's um, it's concerning to it to a degree. Um, you know, they're eking out these wins, but at some point, you need to kind of catch up and help your pitchers out. You can't expect the pitchers to go out there and you know have these high stress innings every game. You you know, you need to have the offense. Break out and you know, give a nice, comfortable you know six, seven run lead and and not have to um not have to worry about it. Uh, you know, hopefully as these guys get healthy and we get a you know regular lineup going again, you know things could things could break out. But yeah, that was um all the runs in that one scored in the first inning. And so that brings us to the final game of this series. Uh, final score we would see the Phillies with two and the Brewers uh, not scoring a single run. And Bob. Uh, why don't you tell us why the Brewers didn't score a run today? Oh, that was because uh, Mr. Zach Wheeler, have you heard of him? Uh, uh, went, <laughs> he went to complete game, uh, three hit shutouts, uh, struck out eight, uh, and helped uh, little old me get uh, a little bit closer to uh, my prediction of four complete games for Phillies pitchers. Well, I, I don't know. Uh, I missed... I missed the uh, post-game interview myself. Uh, I don't know if you caught it, but apparently in that interview, he said verbatim, um, I want to make Bob's wishes come true. And he, oh, um, you know, he's, he's contributing to your prediction. And that's yeah. that's what got him through that ninth inning. Um, 
Uh, but in, in seriousness, uh, he Wheeler did allow, I think, a double in the second inning to Billy McKinney. But, man, aside from that, he he faced the minimum going into the ninth. Um, he allowed a couple base runners in the, in the last frame. But, yeah, comes away with a complete game shutout. His first since 2014 with the Mets. Um, worth mentioning, uh, Brandon Woodruff from the Brewers was was matching him. I mean, up through into the seventh inning, it was a scoreless ball game. Uh, luckily for the Phils, though, on the 100th pitch, 100th pitch of the game from Woodruff, uh, Alec Bohm hits an opposite field solo home run, gives the Phillies a one nothing win. Uh, they end up tacking on one more in the ninth. Uh, McCutcheon has a two out single. Brad Miller walks, and then Reese Hoskins hits a double. Uh, to the Blake McCutcheon, uh, Phillies come away with a two nothing win and a four game sweep of the Brewers. Um, just really, uh, like I said, every game was stressful. Uh, you know, you had the late inning um, uh, worries, but yeah, a, a four game sweep is a four game sweep, and, and, and it's great to see, especially against the Brewers, who, like I said, coming into this series, they were tied for the best record in the National League. So. Uh, does this make the, the Phillies one of the top teams in the National League? No, but um, it's it's going to be something that I think should at least give them some momentum, um, especially because they did it without Bryce Harper, you know, arguably their best hitter. So now you headed into this road trip, uh, you know, a nice four game win streak, a sweep um, should give them a little bit of momentum as they um, you know head into another uh, to face another divisional opponent. Um, anything in particular that um, stood out to you in this? In this sweep, uh, yeah, in this sweep, or you know, anything that um, kind of points in the positive direction for this team. Uh, I was very impressed with this uh, sweep, uh, not only because it was a sweep, but because of how well the Brewers have been playing uh, on the road. Uh, they were a much better road team than they were at home in the early part of the season. Um, so that alone was just impressive. Uh, Woodruff, man, seeing him uh, in person today, what not wasn't at the game, but watching him today, uh, this guy has some good stuff, and, and he's just mm-hmm. been on fire this year. Um, so he's, you know, I think he's an early contender for a Cy Young uh, at, the, at this rate, uh, although he has some stiff competition with uh, uh, some guy in New York. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, very good. I, 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 was, I think it, what makes it more satisfying this sweep is the fact uh, that it sort of uh, makes up um, for the Mets series because uh, honestly, this whole homestand could have been a, a seven-game sweep. Um, you know, bad defense, bad umpiring the entire homestand, uh. um, some crazy umpiring. Um, this easily could have been a seven and zero homestand, uh, which is wild to me. Um, but even with all that said. This team is still very <laughs> mediocre, um, but uh, you know, as as we talked about before we start recording, so is kind of the rest of baseball. Yeah, well, so so the one thing I, I mentioned to you before we um, before we clicked record here, um, you know, just looking at overall the the um, the, the offensive stats for for teams this year, one of the things I found. Um, pretty interesting. So in, in 2015, uh, the number 30 team in terms of batting average was the San Diego Padres. They were hitting 243 that season. If you fast forward to 2021, if, the, um, if a team is hitting 243, 
they'd be eighth overall in baseball. So, uh, yeah, offensive numbers are way down. Um, Phillies right now are hitting 230 as a team, which is good for 19th in baseball. So there are 10 other teams that are that are hitting worse. Uh, one, just looking through the hit list here, one of them being the Yankees, the Yankees who I think everyone expected to be this offensive juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you've got the Oka Athletics who are playing very well. I think they're still number one in the uh, American League West. So uh, there are teams that are, you know, struggling, and it's it's just a it's just a baseball um, epidemic. And um, that's not to say that the Phillies couldn't improve upon what they're doing, but um, you know there is some 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 things to consider here that you know that it's 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 not. Um, centralized here. It's it's something that's going on around baseball, but um, things can be improved for sure. I think one of the glaring spots that uh, needs improvement is center field. When mm-hmm. you take a look at center fielders overall in baseball, uh, the Phillies are dead last in terms of batting average, and it is not close. Uh, center fielders for the Phillies are hitting 137 this season. Uh, the Oof. next low, yeah, the next lowest team. Uh, Seattle Mariners are at 167, so a full 30 points higher. Um, and it, it's it's getting to a point where it needs to be addressed. I don't think you can continue with a carousel of Adubo Herrera, Mickey Moniak, um, you know, Roman Quinn. I'm sure they'll stick Scott Kingery out there. We even see, we, with Segura coming back, we may see Nick Maton out there. I You just, to me, you can't keep doing that. You need... If you're going to be a team that's going to compete uh, in its division and into the playoffs, you need to have an everyday center fielder, and they just don't have that right now. There's there's not one guy that is standing out above the rest. Um, you know, Roman Quinn on his homestand was hitting well. You know, you saw his average creeping up pretty steadily. You know, he had a couple triples, a couple base, other base hits, but uh, and then he gets hurt, which is his mo. So. You know, even the guy that looked like he was on pace to to maybe take that spot gets himself injured. So something needs to be done. And Bob, I've got a list here of four possible um, you know uh, names out there that could end up on the trading block. And uh, Andrew, you know I love lists, so let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love this? That's uh, I don't know where I was going with that. I was going to make some kind of joke, but I didn't because I'm too worried about center field in Philadelphia. <laughs> So, uh, so the first thing I brought up, we've talked about him on on uh, on this podcast before. Mitch Hanniger, uh playing right now for the Seattle Mariners, um, which is ironic because I just said that um, center yes. field they are the next lowest. Um, but uh, that's not all due to Mitch. He is hitting two fifty four at the plate, uh, three hundred on base, which you'd like to see that a little bit higher. Uh, but eight home runs, so he's got quite a bit of pop. Twenty three RBIs, which I think would be number one on the on the Phillies. So, um, I think that's certainly a guy you uh, could look at to play center field. Um, yeah, I mean that's it's. I mean eight home runs, and, and Seattle is a big ballpark. Yeah, um, yeah. So maybe that maybe those numbers are become a little bit higher if he plays, uh, you know, in Philadelphia, especially uh, in this division, like. Um, there's some ballparks in this division that are uh, much more hitter friendly than um, some of the stadiums out in the West. Well, and just just for what it's worth, um, looking back at his last couple of years, um, Hanniger has not played center field yet this season. Um, I think he missed uh, last season. I'm not sure if he um, chose to sit out or 
remember if he was injured last year, but he did not play last season. Uh, 2019, he had 24 games in center field. 2018, he had 35. Uh, 2017, he played six. Um, and then 2016, he played out there for 22 games. So he has experience out there. He seems to be more of a right fielder DH, um, but clearly can play center field if needed. Um, I don't know about you, but I am very much willing to sacrifice the bit of defense for an improvement on offense. Um, I, uh, yes, you want your center fielder to be pretty steady out there, but I think, think he has enough experience that I'd be comfortable with him being our center fielder if, um, defensively, if, um, you know, if we can get that kind of offensive production out of him. But again, very, uh, very much speculation. You know, it's, it's all about where the Mariners end up. You know, they're kind of a, uh, they're kind of a meme nowadays as far as starting hot and then getting, cooling off and not really amounting to anything. And, but who knows, you know, maybe they make a uh, run and they're not looking to get rid of anybody. Um, another guy that, uh, whose name has been brought up, but again, another team that, that could stay in contention and may not be looking to get rid of anyone. Uh, Randall Grichuk of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, uh, currently hitting 302 with an on-base percentage of 342, uh, slugging 481. Uh, he's got five home runs, uh, a couple of doubles, 21 RBIs. Again, a vast improvement over um, mm-hmm. over what we have here. Um, you know, it, it, I'd ask you if you were uh, if you'd be happy with him being here, but I think I know the answer. Yeah, I mean, I I, I take him. I think he'd be a little bit harder to get. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you said, I, I think Toronto is. I think Toronto more likely than Seattle is is a team that can. Uh, hang around in their division. Um, they are on a seven and three streak over the last two ten games, um, and only two games behind Boston. Um, so I think it'd be a little bit harder to get. Um, but yeah, I mean anything is better. Uh, is your dog available? Or put, put your outfit up, uniform uh, on your dog and send him out there. You get him swinging a bat. I'll let him play. Um, the last two guys that I have on the list here um, are probably easier gets, you know, two teams that already seem to be kind of out of it. Uh, this next one actually would be my preference if something could be worked out. Uh, Romeo Tapia of the um, Rockies, you know, we just saw him playing pretty well against us out there in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, hitting 312 this season, 356 on base. Uh, last year, you know, shortened season for everyone, he hit 321 with a 369 on base. Uh, and even the season before, 138 games, he hit 275 um, on base of 309. Um, not a not a huge home run threat, although he does have four this year, 19 RBIs, and he'll steal a few bases. Um, he is probably on this list, probably the um, or at least for me, is the most appealing. Um, I just think with that combination of speed and um, you know ability to to get on base. Um, just really stands out to me. Um, one thing of note before I uh, pass it on to you for your thoughts has not officially played center field since 2019. Um, but again, I, I, I don't think that's because he can't, um, you know, I think it's feasible. Um, and again, I, I don't know about you, but I am totally willing to give up a bit of defensive prowess for somebody who can hit like he is. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I like uh, Tapia. Um, he is on the younger side. Uh, I don't 
know where he fits in with um, their whole situation organizational wise. They're in a bit of a weird spot where they are kind of are like rebuilding. They gave up um, uh, Arenado over the off season, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't know if they consider him part of their building block because he he has been playing very well and he, he is younger. He's like twenty seven. Um, so probably would be a little bit harder to get just based on his age and how well he's playing. And I don't know how much uh, we have that would interest Colorado. Um, if we did have the right pieces, by all means, let's do it. Uh, again, there are lefty bat in the lineup here. Um, but I, he's a he's a guy who, uh, unless the Rockies really are trying to um, just give away people which i don't think they're at quite yet um i think he's going to be a little bit tough to get just because of his age and how well he is playing yeah yeah it's again it depends on how you know you mentioned the rockies are in a state of unknown right now you know they they fire their gm and they they just always seem to be um kind of out there and you don't really know what's going on so i'd like to see it but all of these trades are First, you know, you have to have the team willing to, to talk back with the Phillies, and then the Phillies need to have something they can give up that's better than any other team that's looking. So, um, one other name out there, not as flashy numbers this season uh, for uh, from the Baltimore Orioles, Anthony Santander. Uh, right now, he's hitting 196 with an on base of 230, so not ideal. However, the last two seasons, he's batted 261 each season, uh, on base hovering right around 300. Um, you know, again, another guy that uh, just would be an improvement over what's there now. And um, it's it's a shame we're at a point where it's kind of just – I don't want to say bottom feeding because I don't think Santander is a you know, bottom of the barrel, but it's it's an improvement. And, if again, if you're going to have this team be competitive, you've got to make a move like this. And I think Santander can be had relatively easily. Um, yeah, I don't even think I don't even think he's considered their starter, right? Don't they have uh, Mullins? Isn't Mullins really their starter in center field? You may be right. He only has 16 games played this year, um, and similar to the other guys that we've mentioned so far, no starts in center field. He's specifically a right fielder. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So he he seems to be more of a, a bench guy, which is fine. Yeah. Um, if he if he's the kind of guy who. If they think he can can stick as like a everyday guy or even a platoon guy. Um, that's an interesting. That's an interesting name because I don't think the Orioles consider him a starter. So maybe for a bench guy on a team that's not really in the mix in the their division. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's probably the best. Um, you know, you're gonna get right now. Yeah. Again, all uh, all depends on what the Phillies are willing to part with, and you know, which teams are feeling like they're out of it and, and can part with a player. Yeah, and it, and it seems the the Orioles and the Phillies have had good rapport trade wise over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that name is actually pretty interesting to me. I I, I like to see if um his name gets done around uh, later on in the year. Uh. Well, as we uh, kind of wrap up here, one last thing we'll we'll talk about is uh, is the bullpen. Um, definitely improved over last year. However, right now they sit 25th overall in ERA um, at a 4.98. Um, 
quite literally exactly average. Their war is 0. 0. Uh, yeah. Some, yeah, there is no other team in baseball whose war is exactly zero, or no other bullpen who is exactly zero. So our bullpen is quite literally average, which is what we asked for after last year. We, you know, they had a they had this exact bullpen last year. You know, they make the playoffs, and you know who knows from there. But um, so I, I pulled up a couple of names here. We don't have to go through as extensively as we did the center fielders. Um, one guy in particular that stood out to me, uh, Shane Green, who pitched for the Braves last season, and I think at the end of 2019. Uh, he had, uh, you know, he had an ERA of 260 uh, for the Braves last year. Is he still 30, a free agent? He is, yeah. 30, what? 30, yeah, age 31, um, appeared in 28 games for the team, 27 and two-thirds innings pitched. Um, you know, he, his strikeouts were down. So um, in 2016, 17, 18, and 19, his uh, strikeouts per nine were right at about seven, um, in some cases closer to – I'm sorry – Right at nine, sometimes closer to ten. Uh, last year, that dropped down to under seven. Uh, walks were up just a bit, hovering around three. So um, perhaps his numbers are a little um, dissuading for some people. Um, his, and his expected ERA was a full run higher than his actual ERA. So he may have been pitching above what what he can really do, and maybe teams are a little worried about um, you know giving him. You know, I don't know what he's asking for in terms of a contract, but I think he would perfectly fit in with his team. I mean, I you know, you can if you can replace a David Hale with a Shane Green, I think that's a win every day of the week. Uh, that's another arm to go in with. Uh, you know, Bradley when he's back, and Jose Alvarado in terms of guys that they've uh, and Brandon Kinsler in terms of guys that veteran guys, you know, well-known names that they've brought in. Um, to bolster this bullpen, and to me, yes, you you had the same reaction I did. I was like, "How is he still a free agent?" So um, maybe there's something we're overlooking here. But you know, what would you what would you think of uh, you know possibly adding Shane Green to uh, to the team? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely interested. Uh, I actually just googled uh, the season or anything out there about him. Um, looks like he is drawing interest um, by some teams, according to John Heyman. Um, he owns a career ERA of 438. Uh, yeah, I think um, the hesitance may have been um, the fact that he uh, looked good at, in um, Atlanta, but um, overall has been uh, last sort season of only av- three appearances. I'm not sure. I'm assuming that was due to injury. Um, he had an ERA close to eight, but prior to that, uh, 2019, 91 innings pitched, ERA of 4.12. Uh, the year before that, 65 innings pitched uh, with an ERA of 3.46. Um, he he's another high strikeout guy. You know, even in 2020, last season, where he only had two and a third innings pitched, um, uh, he was on pace for 12 strikeouts per nine. Uh, walks were a little bit high, but again, another guy that um, I don't know if he was commanding a lot or if you know people saw last season as um, kind of concerning, but. Another veteran guy, I think, you know, you add to this bullpen over, you know, say David Hale or if Connor Brogdon continues to struggle, somebody you could stick in there and, you know, help to um, possibly get that war over 0.0. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe age is a factor. Though he's only 30, 33 years old. Um, I don't know really why he hasn't garnered more attention. 
Um, he did have a seven ERA, but that, that was only two innings. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, you know, I, I would need more information on him to see why he's still out there because it's just weird that both these guys are still available when they're seem to be serviceable relievers. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And neither guy had to be willing to, um, you know, give a one year deal to. Um, and one last name I want to bring up. And it may sound a little familiar. Uh, Blake Parker is still available. Nope. Um, pass. Well, just to just to put out there nope, information, four, 14 games last year, uh, mm-hmm. 16 innings pitched. Sweet. Uh, 281 ERA. Sweet. Uh, ex- and it's expected ERA was 288. So he's uh, pitched right. as expected. Sweet. Uh, awesome. Pass. <laughs> Blake Parker is available. Uh, as a possible bullpen option, just to throw the name out there. No, I, I, I'm kidding. I, I mean, he, he was, he was okay for us last year. Um, I just, um, I, yeah, I think well, it's why not Th- throw him in the mix. Why not? Well, we, we, I think we, it's a name because I think we agree at this point that David Hale, it's that experiment is over. So, um. Take a flyer on Blake Parker, perhaps. Maybe he's not even looking to play. He is 35, going on 36. Um, you know, we I need a guy who, when he pitches, he looks like he's looking into a pizza oven. You know, that's what we need. A guy who bends down low and <laughs> you, know. you uh, distract the you distract the pitcher. That's that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so looking ahead, um, the uh, the upcoming week for the Phillies, uh, their schedule. They head to Atlanta. Uh, for a three-game set, uh, it's their second trip. You love there. Atlanta. Are you going down? I oh, I don't mind Atlanta itself. I would love to take a trip to Atlanta, but when the Phillies are playing in Truist Park, my God, I can't stand it, and I'm going to be stressed all weekend watching these games. Although, I mean, I, any Phillies game is stressful nowadays as it is. So, um, but yes, I uh, can't stand when the Phillies go down to play uh, play Atlanta, and I'm sure. Oh, here we go. An over-under. A, a last-minute over-under. I'm going to put it at 2.5. Uh, well, we'll go with it. How many signs do we see where people are referencing the uh, Alec Boehm hasn't touched home plate uh, ordeal from the last time they were in Atlanta? Under. Yeah, probably under. You're right. They don't. Nobody makes fit. Nobody makes no, signs make anymore. anymore no. Yeah, this isn't WWE. What are you talking yeah, about? No. <laughs> Uh, but I'm sure he will get booed loudly uh, for something that was out of his control. Yeah, uh, so... I, I'm really looking forward. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I'm really looking forward to uh, Sunday, not because the game's on ESPN, because I hate ESPN's uh, Sunday Night Baseball crew, um, but because of the pitching mascot, uh, matchup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, um, so, so Friday's game, we'll see uh, Zach Eflin go against former Phillies legend Charlie Morton. Mm-hmm. Saturday, we'll see Vince Velasquez, current Phillies legend. Um, he'll go up against Ian Anderson. And then, yes, yeah, Sunday's matchup, Aaron Nola, the ace of the Phillies, goes up against Huascar Yanoa, I believe is how you say his name. I believe that's how you say it, yes. Um, yeah, uh, Yanoa has two home runs this season as a starting pitcher, one of those being a grand slam. Uh, and he's pitching pretty damn well as, uh, also. So, uh, yeah, agreed. That's going to be – that's gonna be a heck of a matchup. Um, so, so with that uh, lineup going into into um, Atlanta, where do you uh, where do you see this series going? Um, I, I feel like I say this 
all the time. I like uh, two out of three. Um, Charlie Morton has sort of come back to earth a little bit. Uh, his ear rate's up around five. Um, I think Zach is due for uh, sort of a bounce back performance. He's kind of been middling his last couple starts. Um, so I think we can win there. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher on Saturday against Ian Anderson. Uh, Ian has just been um, really good for them. Um, it just hopefully you can get some out of there, um, and maybe you can steal one on Saturday uh, because I think Sunday's going to be tough. But I do think. Um, the Phillies could easily get two and a three, uh, maybe have to steal a game on Saturday and uh, or Sunday. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm feeling. Well, my optimism is not near as high as yours is. Um, I I'm looking at this and I I see one win. Um, Oof. Yeah, I I I feel okay with um, with Friday's game. I think. Eflin, you know, should be able to outduel Charlie Morton, but you know we've seen Eflin have his share of games where he um is just not on you know on his A game. You know, former Phillies like to haunt uh, the Phillies when they are up against them. So, uh, yeah, I, I think one out of three is you know they're, they'll either win the Friday or the Sunday game, and you know I'm already chalking up Saturday to a loss, but you know maybe that's not right of me. Um, and then after that, they uh, they have an off day Monday, and then they head to Washington D.C. to play the uh, Nationals. Uh, nothing announced formally yet, but it looks like the pitchers in that series will be Chase Anderson, Zach Wheeler, and Zach Eflin. Uh, have a have a there in Washington. It'll be the first time we see the Nationals this season. Um, how do you think things stack up there? Even though we don't know the uh, the probable National starters. Yeah, it's um, tough to say. I don't know. Um where we're going to see or who we're going to see as far as the national starters. Um, the, the way you feel about uh, going to Atlanta is sort of the way I feel about going to Washington, uh, mm. at least in the last uh, couple years. I used to not be that way. I used to be, uh, you asked me like 10 years ago, eight, 10 years ago, I felt so good going to Washington. I didn't, I didn't have any pressure. Um, but I think ever since uh, Scherzer became a national, um, it's just not a place that I like going to. It's interesting because uh, as I sit here and look at these two series, I, I feel quite a bit better going to Washington than I do Atlanta. Um, I think in that series, the Phillies, again, it, it depends on the matchups, but Scherzer is really the only starter on the Nationals that I'm like worried about. Um, you know, Patrick Corbin has not been himself. Strasburg, I believe, is still injured. I think John Lester joined the rotation, but you know he's on the decline in his career. So, um, I I think the Phillies can and should go 500 on this trip. I think they they take one in Atlanta and two in Washington. That's that's overall how I see uh, how I see this trip going for them. Hey, that would be uh, that would be pretty okay because I, I I think this um, division is just in a weird spot right now mm-hmm. um, where everybody's still trying to figure themselves out. Um, 
but I see this as a I'm gonna say uh three and three. That's yeah. where I'm feeling. Yeah. Also, uh I don't know if you saw it today, but um there was a story about Archie Bradley who um he hopes to rejoin the team after the road trip. Um so after the Phils go to Atlanta and Washington, they head out to Toronto. Um so hopefully that means we can see Archie back with the club um in a couple of weeks uh, when the Phillies welcome Miami back to Philly. Yeah, and it'll be interesting at that point to see who the um you know who who whose spot Archie takes in that bullpen, you know, it that's uh, almost 2 weeks from now so a lot of things could change. Mm-hmm. Um well, we'll be back next week uh to discuss the first two legs of this uh road trip and you know see how our predictions hold up and Perhaps see if anybody has distanced themselves in this NL East. Uh, but until then, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you everyone who has followed us on social media and you know, interacted with our posts. Very much appreciated. Uh, Bob, any uh, closing thoughts for the people? Pay uh, and you do your pets, folks. That's great advice. Great advice. Listen to Bob, who in fact was named after Bob Barker. So it's quite apt. Uh, yes, thank you everyone. Thanks for listening and uh, we'll be back next time. Bye.